Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Bongo and Bongo, the father and son that ruled oil-rich Gabon for 56 years is no more. Another French colony, otherwise known as a felony goes oof-shaped, and the 14-legged squid, how many legs are they supposed to have? Living two miles under the Antarctic is revealed by an English newspaper as having been weaponized by Vladimir Putin. And a two-legged squid called James Cleverly masquerading as the Foreign Secretary of the United Kingdom, warns Tucker Carlson, an American broadcaster, that he mustn't interview Vladimir Putin. I'm not making that up. The Biden and Biden crime family. What next? As it's revealed that thousands of pseudonymous emails were sent from the vice president's office when he was in power to the business partners of Hunter Biden. And should four-year-olds be taught about sex matters in primary school or nursery school? Who knew that such a question needed to be asked? Who knew that some people would answer our poll in the affirmative? Check their hard drives. I say it's the mother of all talk shows. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Now, there's a hull of a fuss about the Genesis Nursery School in Hull, which force-read its four-year-old children a book called Grandad's Pride. And they are unrepentant about having done so, begging the question, who else is doing so? And for what purpose? I know why almost everything. I think I know the reason for almost everything under the sun. But why this sexualization of nursery school children is underway? Why the primary school children throughout Britain under a so-called conservative government are being softened up, sexually speaking, with an unremitting diet completely unsuitable to their tender years, I really don't know. The undermining of all that is sacred, being profaned, all that is solid, melting into air, was predicted by a German, Dr. Marx by name, 170 years ago or so. I doubt that he had in mind that the profanity would be so ugly and dirty as that which we are currently observing in almost, if not all, Western countries. And I don't know why. People tell me it's an attempt to 
drive down population numbers. Well, that's not all that plausible to me. They could put something in the water to achieve that. People say uh, that it's, uh, it's liberalism, it's freedom. Not for me. My point of view was summed up by a demonstrator with a placard that I retweeted as my tweet of the day today, which said, have sex with whomsoever you please. Just don't talk about it to the children. I might have added, just don't frighten the horses. You can vote on our poll on my Telegram channel, t.me forward slash George Galloway, on my Twitter or my X, on the YouTube community poll or on the YouTube stream. Should four-year-olds be taught about sex matters? Astoundingly, 2% on Telegram, 3% on Twitter, 2% on the YouTube community poll, and 4% on the YouTube stream say, yes, they should. I do hope the people who answered the poll in the affirmative will call the show tonight, for I am genuinely keen to know exactly why you voted yes. Now, the astonishing thing about Bongo and Bongo is that I, a news and politics junkie, had never heard of them before. The father, Omar Bongo, came to power in Gabon in 1967. That is the year that Celtic won the European Cup, now known as the Champions League. And anyone my age will remember that they were in short trousers then as we ran out into the street celebrating. In fact, President Macron was five years old when the bongos came to power. 1967, when the Beatles were still rocking and rolling at the top of what we used to call the hit parade. He was succeeded after 49 years in power by his son, Ali Bongo. And the two of them have ruled oil-rich Gabon, which has a population of just two and a half million people, is known by those who know it as the Kuwait of Africa, two and a half million people, an ocean of oil, where 37% of the people live below the poverty line, and almost 40% of all the young men in the country are unemployed. Why didn't we know this? Why has there never been any op-eds about the bongos? Why haven't we heard about the grotesque perversion, deviance from democratic norms of this bongo family? Why were we never subjected to documentaries about this aberration of a family business? that left more than a third of its people in absolute poverty when every one of them should have been a millionaire, if not a multi-millionaire. You've already worked out the reason why. Because the bongos were stooge French puppets, puppets of colonial rule in Africa, and therefore in Nelson's eye, if the French will forgive me, that metaphor has long been turned towards them. 
Nobody wanted to know that the bongos are worth $1 billion, most of it salted overseas in property and in cash in the Western banks. Nobody wanted to know, nobody wanted us to know. And that's why, until today, you never heard of the bongos. If I'd never heard of them, almost certainly neither had you. And therein is the nub, as Shakespeare would say. That's the nub of the issue here. The hypocrites that rule us, that concentrate their fire on the dynastic rule in North Korea, who mock it mercilessly, would never dream of introducing to the comedy tableau the Bongo family in Gabon, because the money is in our banks. The property is on our territory. The oil keeps on flowing for the profit of everybody except the poor in the African Republic of Gabon. And now they are no more. Though it's a strange kind of tyranny that allowed Ali Bongo to make a video today in English when he called on the, his Western friends to make noise about it. But making noise isn't going to undo it. The coup which overthrew him is a wind of change which is now blowing through Francophile Africa, blowing through West Africa, and one day, God willing, will sweep the African continent all together. African tyrants and puppets are being swept away. We have talked about Nigeria, Niger, Mali, Burkina Faso, and now we have to add Gabon to this tableau. President Macron is going to preside over what President Chirac was honest enough once to admit. President Chirac said, without Africa, France will fall into the rank of a third-rate power. And in microcosm, that's what's happening not just in France. That's what's happening in the colonial powers right across the European continent. Uh, the African people are preferring as allies and business partners those that didn't enslave them, those that didn't colonize them, those that didn't neo-colonize them, those that didn't impose upon them fat tyrants who grew fat at the expense of their own public. The American people might take a leaf out of the book of West Africa because it turns out that Biden and Biden are as corrupt as Bongo and Bongo. And that is now unassailably true. I mean, what else does the Vice President of the United States, as was Joe Biden, what else has he got to do of a day from his desk at the White House but write 5,146 emails in a forged, false, fake name to his son, Hunter Biden, to Hunter Biden's business partners, to Hunter Biden's clients and customers 
and to those with whom the United States is now in ineluctably drawn into a vortex which may very well end, as Tucker Carlson said, in a hot war between the United States and Russia. Carlson predicted that this day. He has asked to interview Vladimir Putin. Any sane person in the world would welcome such an interview, whether they like Putin, as a surprisingly large number of people do, or whether they hate him. Isn't it wise to know what your opponent, your adversary is thinking? And if you are a man or woman of independent mind, isn't it wise to see things just for a moment through the eyes of the other? Well, the answer to that must be yes, because the alternative to that is the possibility, probability, according to Carlson, in his broadcast today, that we are on the brink of a hot war with Russia. Have you seen Oppenheimer? Have you any idea what a hot war between America and Russia will look like, feel like? Well, you better wise up because if we're on the brink of it, you don't have much longer to live. And anyway, Vladimir Putin's got a secret weapon. According to the Daily Express, who many people didn't know was still coming out, the Daily Express today revealed that a 14-legged killer squid has been found living two miles under the Antarctic, and it has been weaponized by Vladimir Putin. Sure, they put a question mark over it. But I want to ask you, what kind of magic mushrooms was the journalist and the editor who approved it of the Daily Express on when he or she wrote that story? And what about the people who read it and believed it? You may think that no such person could possibly exist. But if you read the comments underneath the article, you'll find that a very large number of people believe that Vladimir Putin has trained a 14-legged killer squid, secreted it two miles beneath the Antarctic with a view to using it as a weapon. Well, if it's true, all the more reason not to get into a war with Russia. If it is untrue, as seems likely, at least to me, then you need to wonder at our fellow citizens. Because if our fellow citizens are as unhinged as to believe that story, then we probably are as Tucker Carlson said, headed for a hot war between Russia and the United States of America. Tonight we have two very special guests. One of them is the Hollywood legend, legend of screen and television, Rob Schneider.
with whom I find a very great many things in common, not the least of which is he appeared as a voice in the movie Top Cat. He doesn't know it yet, but that used to be the name that I answered to. And we'll be talking uh, to a retired lieutenant colonel whose record in the military intelligence services, Lieutenant Colonel Schaefer, whose record is so long that it would take me the whole interview to adumbrate it. And I'll be asking him how he thinks that a country as great as the United States of America, a country as accomplished with all of the brains and genius therein, ended up with Joe Biden sitting on a beach in Delaware and his press secretary telling us that she and other young people in the administration find it very difficult to keep up with him. Mind you, you haven't seen the latest Mitch McConnell video yet. I hope we can bring it to you. This is one of the most powerful men in America. And this is the second time in a month that he has literally, at a press conference, been struck entirely dumb. I'm cutting short my monologue tonight because I want to give these two very special guests the maximum amount of time to dazzle us with their brilliance. Stay tuned. It's the mother of all talk shows. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Rob Schneider is a Hollywood legend. In fact, we're interrupting his filming in Hollywood right this minute. He's very kindly agreed to break off from a film he's directing. We'll ask him about that. And from the books that he has been writing and from his television and film career, which of course is long, varied, and quite brilliant. He's Rob Schneider. He's here now. Rob, uh, can't say how pleased I am that you could join us uh, this evening. Let me ask you about the last bit of stand-up I saw you do, uh, which was about the virus. I want to ask you about the virus, because it's very 
fiendishly smart, this virus. It, it coincides with electoral cycles, yeah? Every time there's an yes. election coming up, there's a new super viral form of this virus about to hit us, giving Joe Biden the opportunity to fight the next election from his basement as he fought the last election. Please tell us, is this real? Well, it says the, the new variant is called the election cycle variant, and it is ready to go. They're just waiting for the pri the, vi the virus, just waiting for the primaries to start. And then that's going to kick in, especially if there's anyone uh, in the Democratic Party that is going to gain any potential rivalry that uh, gains momentum against Biden. Then the virus is going to kick into high gear. And that's what a, a really election viruses do. And if you listen to the CDC and Tony Fauci, they will tell you that um, the closer that the Democrats uh, have a chance of losing the executive branch in the United States, uh, the higher the virulency of the uh, the virus. <laughs> so I'm glad you noticed, yeah, George. Uh, you know, it you're is, all uh, astonishing. I did. Uh, it was a wonderful piece uh, of comedy. I urge everyone to watch it. Now, you alluded there to someone that we are both supporting for uh, the presidency in the United States, Bobby Kennedy Jr., of whom, with yeah. one or two exceptions, uh, I am entirely in concert and in awe, actually, uh, of his qualifications to be president. And I don't mean dynastic ones, not at all. I don't believe actually in dynastic politics. But his grasp of world affairs, of domestic affairs, of big pharma affairs is such that I think both you and I were drawn ineluctably to him. Have I got that right? And what did you first yes, see in Bobby Kennedy's well, condition? I've known well, I've known Bobby Kennedy for years now, and I—he's I, a guy that was able to take literally a, a, a body of water, the Hudson River, which could light on fire 30 years ago, and he was able to take this and and make it so fish could live again in it. So if if he never accomplishes anything else in his life, that is a gigantic accomplishment. Now he really, as a lawyer, understands the. Uh, corruption at a really deep level because in, in order to be able to to do something like poison a large body of water or poison a large body of human beings you really need to be in control of who was who was in charge of creating legislation and laws and that is what um robert kennedy wants to do first thing there's only two countries that have this uh incredible advantage for the pharmaceutical uh, companies of having direct to consumer drug ads. So in other words, you can have a drug ad and, and they'll see that, well, I want to take that. And and they go right to their doctor. And my, my family, my mom's Filipino, she's passed away, God, bless, God rest her soul. But she, and on our Filipinos side, they, we all are, they're, they're in nursing or doctors or both. And so there are four hospitals that our family has run in New Jersey. And basically, you know, Dr. Lapid, my cousin, Dr. Renee Lapid, he said to me, Look, when a patient comes in and they say, we want, I want this drug, I saw it on TV. And if you try to talk them out of it, they say, well, I'll just go somewhere else and get it. And they'll go to another doctor and there is no database 
you were thinking that, you know, uh, by 2023, there'd be some database keeping track of, of all the drugs that each person is taking. Uh, and there isn't. Uh, so you have seniors that are taking between seven and 12.5 different prescription drugs in America. Now, that is a tremendous amount of money. You have the United States spends more money on healthcare, on quote healthcare, on medicine than any other country in the world. And we have very unhealthy people. We had more people um, percentage wise died in the United States of COVID. And it wasn't just because of the virulency of COVID. It's because the vir- it's because of the virulency of obesity, of unhealthy people, of unhealthy food that created a situation for something like that reminds me of what happened in um in England, uh, in the Industrial Revolution, 1857, you have in Manchester, England, where uh, Marx's, uh, uh, Frederick Engels, Marx's partner, was uh, in Manchester, England. And he said he saw these people he described as white ghosts because the water was polluted. You had the, uh, you know, you had 14 families as much sharing one bathroom. So you had a real, uh, a, a, a real case of a possibility of, of something. He said the common, common, cold will wipe out half of these people. And so that that's really the situation where you had, if you have healthy people, uh, viruses and bacteria, they are not the enemy to mankind. They're a bridge. And if you are in homostasis, if you are in a place where you have, um, where you're healthy, then these things connect you and, and work things out with, uh, with the world. They are not the enemy. And so you have kind of a, a misguided notion of what health is. And it is, it, and unfortunately, it is completely polluted with um, corruption because the pharmaceutical companies, they are the number one buyers of advertising in the United States. 85% of all spending for all commercials in a non-election year is big pharma. And all of the, every state senator, state assemblyman, state governor, and every federal senator and every federal congressman, people who run for president, the number one donor is going to be the pharmaceutical industries. And so when they have to, when they have something like Vioxx, which killed 50,000 people, that's just the price of doing business for them. And so when you give them blanket liability, interestingly, COVID, uh, the COVID vaccine doesn't go in any countries where the government doesn't give them blanket liability protection. In other words, if they can get sued by people, they're not going in there. And so that's that's a real sign. And, and Bobby Kennedy understands that, that you can't have somebody who used to be in charge of the vaccine division at the CDC, Julie Gerberding, leave the CDC, where she was overseeing uh, the vaccine manufacturers and regulations, and then going to Merck and being in charge of the vaccine division from Merck. It's just outrageous corruption. And so the only politician who's talking about stopping that is Bobby Kennedy. So uh, we need to talk about more things that can make people uh, healthier and stop this uh, insanity. And it's it's it doesn't make people healthier; it makes them sicker. And 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 for them, for the pharmaceutical companies to be able to shut down the world over this, George, is very alarming. And I, I think they they'll not think twice about doing it again. And of course, they are the number one funders of the news programs uh, that are, surprise, surprise, never allowing any debate on these subjects. Well, they don't want to have debate because they already have it, you know, wrapped up. If anything, I think what's happened was when you whenever you have a potential profitability that is 
that has no end to it. In other words, if you have a if you're a drug company and you let's say you make a, a product like Vioxx, which they did, which killed at least fifty thousand people, now that's going to at a certain point go generic. However, for like the vaccine schedule and why it was so important for the vaccine makers to get the uh, COVID nineteen approved for children, because if they get it on the child schedule for approved vaccines, then they have no liability ever. And so then they can't be sued by anybody. And so the only way to sue them is if is if there is fraud. And frankly, I think there was fraud and I think they did. So I do think that. But unless you have, you know, attorney generals uh, from different states that are going to uh, go after the companies and go after um, if they didn't go after Purdue, who killed so many people with Oxycontin and gave them a sweetheart deal, then you just don't expect them to go after anybody. So until there's somebody convicted or until there's a, a charge, a murder charge for the heads of uh, from the board of trustees of Pfizer uh, or, or or the CEO, until there's something where they feel they're going to actually have to pay a price, then I think this is going to continue. That's why it's important to like whatever happens to Bobby Kennedy's how far he goes. The fact that he's talking about this at all can't be ignored. And they're ignoring him on ABC, NBC, CBS, ABC, all, all the traditional garbage mainstream media but he's getting on you know like you said yourself george he's getting on there are these alternative uh, forms of communicating to the people now and and it's it's exploding with bigger audiences one of the many uh bon mot uh that he has uh spoken recently was this one that comedians used to be more funny uh before they started towing the government's line what happened to your industry, Rob? Uh, it seems like only yesterday uh, where comedians punched upwards instead of punching downwards, entirely well, in the grain with the prevailing orthodoxy. What happened? Well, I, I think if, if George Carlin was alive today, uh, I think that they would be accusing him of being a right winger. <laughs> because you you have to understand yeah. that eighty five percent of Hollywood are liberals, and I don't think that they believe in all of it. But the problem with this ideology is it is a, a religion, and if you question any of it, then you get kicked out. So there's a real fear. I mean, the most interesting thing to me is for me. I, I mean, I have to attack it because I just feel like. Uh, Anytime you're going, you have to go against the power and and the power is this this woke ideology. And it's a liberal thing where, um, you know, math, George, did you know math is racist now? Math scores, it's racist. Two plus two equals four. That could be racist. What? what did the two use the N word? What, what did I miss? So you really have to, I mean, it, it's hard not to laugh at it, but you you have universities now that used to teach people how to think like uh, Richard Feynman used to say, teach them how to think, teach kids how to think critically, how to question the science. And now you have university kids that are not being taught to think they're taught to be advocates to a partisan policy uh, that is um, this liberal wokeness. So where does it go? But comedians, I think it's it's easier to just, you know, make fun of Trump. I mean, he, he makes fun of himself. It's easy. I think it's much tougher to go after the power base, which is this um, this liberal 
intelligentsia, which is, uh, to me, is, is the looniest thing going now. I mean, the fact that, you know, as, my, as a friend of mine, uh, Mike Merrifield said, if I had, uh, I wish I had a dime for every gender there was, I'd have 20 cents. So <laughs> No, it's 97, have... actually. It's, 90, it's <laughs> yeah. 97 on this side of the pond. Now, well, uh, on, that... in a way, on that subject, uh, Rob, the, you know, I, I'm a socialist. I'm someone that would normally be described as on the left. Uh, and I have five mixed-race children. Uh, but I'm now accused of being on the right because I'm not a liberal. Uh, I've never been a liberal. Liberalism and socialism are two different things as far as I'm concerned. But I was looking at your political uh, track record, as it were. You were a Democrat when the Democrats purported at least to be the party of the working class, or you call it the middle class uh, over there. Uh, and then you became a Republican and now you've become an independent. Is this because it's really a uni party that Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and all these people, they really are in the same party, aren't they? It is what you're exactly, George, you're talking about an establishment. I mean, the reason why they don't attack Mike Pence, who is very attackable, is that because he is at least as loathsome as he is to the liberals, at least he's still part of that establishment, which they are very much a part of. He is not a threat to shaking up that establishment and to their money system. You have, you know, Mitch McConnell and 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 Diane Feinstein. These people can't can barely converse anymore. And Joe Biden, I don't know what drugs they give him, of, you know, for the debates, but he's not there anymore. And that's not a secret. But they don't care because what it really is is just continuing the same establishment power base. And that's why, like, why Bobby Kennedy is so interesting because he doesn't fit in there. I mean, traditional liberalism, if you if you look at it, it's it's women's rights, it's gay rights, it's civil rights, it's free speech. It's for uh, it's for giving people an opportunity to not guaranteeing them the same outcome, which is how this has kind of turned into. There's no guarantee for the same outcome. You have people from the same households that that don't do equally as well. But you have what it is now. You have a perversion of this traditional liberalism, which is really Marxist in its sense. I mean, traditional liberalism is the way we should all be. It is for freedom. It's for trying your best. But it's not for guaranteeing anything. The thing about like, as you know, as as your your countryman Winston Churchill said, you know, democracy is uh, is a very ugly uh, business. I mean, it, it's not. It's a very messy form of government. But it sure beats the hell out of all others if I can uh, kind of bastardize this quote. But what we're really dealing with now is a an exclusion and uh, to debate. We're no longer longer talking about what's the best idea. And like with socialism, socialism at its at its best is to rein in capitalism, which capitalism at its work. If you take a look at capitalism, you don't have to go very far. Just go to the uh, museum um of uh, the of um, history in Illinois, and you'll see capitalist signs for slavery. You know, we'll buy this human being, and we'll carry the interest. So that is the zenith of capitalism, and the zenith of of, uh, of socialism also takes away the incentives, and, and didn't work for it was a failed system. With you know, and even the communists would say that it's not true communism; it was socialism on the way 
to trying to have a utopia. But anytime, George, you're trying to find that utopia, like the, the liberals are trying for now, you're headed for disaster. And not just disaster, but if you take a look at what that really ends up to, it's mass murder. We're really talking about people, you know, being murdered, excluded, demonized, and killed. I mean, if you would have had people during this pandemic, if you would have really taken what they said, and I'm talking about the, the little Hitlers that I've alluded to, in, in my industry, embarrassingly so, George Clooney, Sean Penn, you know, the Jimmy Kimmel, these people who said like these people, if you come in and you're unvaccinated, you should not be treated at a hospital. You're your peers, Morgan. I don't I don't remember anybody apologizing for these quotes. But if you think about that, that's not too distant from the Hutus and the and the the, um, the it's the Hutus and the Wutus or whatever killing each other. So you, you have to be really careful when we start demonizing people, because I always believed that, you know, for the last 30 years, uh, Daniel, I think it's Daniel Goldberg who wrote Hitler's, Hitler's Willing Executioners. And he was saying there is this false assumption that our society was just like not just like Germany. But then these economic situations came in and then they just found the scapegoat. And he said, no, that's not true. He said there's always been a cornerstone of anti-Semitism in as a foundational belief system in Europe. Now, I would say I would correct that and say there needs to be a new addition. There is always going to be an element of society that's going to scapegoat people and use them for the for for the excuses of what's happening and to blame and to blame people and to potentially murder these people in mass. And I would say that as we head into now as we head into 223, if you go back 100 years and see where the world was, they were just putting Hitler in prison. So we were heading towards a calamitous time economically, which also created another gigantic war that 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 murdered and killed a hundred million people plus. So I don't think I do think that we are not uh, we are as susceptible to the world then if certain economic conditions appear. That's why it's so important uh, to to make sure that you have a, a systems of government that is re truly representative of the people. And I don't believe we have that. I believe that that's under threat in the United States underneath the Democrats right now. Now, uh, we, were, we both had uh, friendly relations with the late and great Larry King. Uh, I wonder if Larry was here today, uh, whether he would concur uh, w with Tucker Carlson's uh, statement today that uh, within a year, a hot war between the U.S. and Russia will be joined. Do you have that fear also? For people, it's easy. It's very easy to look back at history and say, you know, it's the de facto bad guy for the United States. It's always Russia. When truthfully, if you look at Russia has the same GDP and the same uh, domestic income, gross domestic income as the state of Texas, they're not going anywhere. They're not uh, their, their idea of expansion is to defend their borders, is, is not to uh, come and, and the the lie of the Democratic Party right now of the Democratic, uh, the neoliberal intelligentsia is that there's. Putin wants to come back and take over Europe. And that's just nonsense. What, what, what Putin wants to do is protect its borders. I mean, going back now to where under Gorbachev, under Bush one, 
He was told by James Baker. And I believe, you know, Kennedy, Robert Kennedy talks about this, but he said not 10 feet into past Poland, not into Poland. They didn't have that in part of the treaty, but it was a, a word that was given to James Baker that NATO would not become part of, would not go into Poland. And now they're just butted up right against pointing missiles at Russia and Ukraine. Now, I would just say to people in the United States and people in, in England that are listening to this, imagine if China put missiles in Mexico, pointed towards Texas. They wouldn't stay there for more than 36 hours if you wiped out. You just you, you can't do that. And so for some reason, how the diplomatic policy from NATO and from the United States and these uh, neoliberal warmongers think that that's okay. Putin is not going to allow that. We have to figure out. It's like in any divorce, George, you're not going to get 100% what you want. And, and she's not going to get 100% what she wants. You're going to have to come to some sort of some sort of middle ground where you can maintain the peace. And I'm sorry, Ukraine is not going to get everything it wants. And and I know for for from what Bobby Kennedy told me that they would have gone into peace negotiations with Russia, but they were completely um, they were subverted by the United States. And uh, and Zelensky was told to through, to through not the even agency, it. yeah, through through the agency of Boris Johnson, he was dispatched to Kiev to scupper a draft peace agreement that had been reached in Turkey between Zelensky and the Russian government. Now, that is a crime against humanity. I mean, for people to kind of get it, when I tell people, because, the you know, it's so easy, and, and I understand the sympathy, and I have the sympathy. My grandmother is from the Ukraine. Uh, I have the sympathy for, for the Ukraine and wanting them to have their independence. However, we have over 350,000 Ukrainians died. That's the equivalent to seven times the amount of American deaths that happened in Vietnam. And and, and the Vietnamese lost a million. So you're talking about uh, a potential for this thing to become a hot war. I don't think it is unreasonable. And I don't think that the, the Democrats fear it. I think the, uh, unfortunately, I think that they would like it because then they could just whip up America into this war fervor that we have done for so many times. And uh, that I admit that I, I got caught up into after 9-11. Um, uh, and thankfully that you were one of the few individuals that, uh, that stood up and against an, a, a, a tide of warmongers to step up. And that's why I really admire you. Uh, to step up and to say something. And that's why it's important now for me to step up and to be vocal about and to, to support Bobby Kennedy and campaign for him. Because I think we need to have someone who's going to say, and I don't know about DeSantis, I don't believe, Nikki Haley is a another Republican candidate. She's pro-war. I believe, I don't know DeSantis, but I haven't heard him say that he would stop that war. You know, you have a guy like Vivek uh, uh, Ramaswamy, and then he was saying like a, a horrible thing that no one's jumped on. He was saying, we'll support Taiwan up until we have enough independence in our semiconductors making chips. I what? That's it. So I, I, I just have no faith in, in any of the mainstream <laughs> leaders. Now we do need to step up and people need the to business, have their voices heard. If we do have a hot war, it's going to be ugly. The business. And, it, uh, and there could yeah. Be, it's a nuclear uh, uh, war. Well, we're, this might be the last time we talk if it's a hot war. Have you seen Oppenheimer? Unbelievable. 
Well, you makes you realize what you're dealing with. And you are dealing with something that they consider exactly. could be the end of the world. They thought maybe there could be a chain reaction which uh, uh, just engulfs the planet in flames. I mean, that that is something that like, and they, yeah. they still went for. So you cannot discount these neocons who do not, I believe, do not have a soul. These are soulless, horrible human beings that would not think twice about uh, about the people on the front lines that would die. But it does count on us. It does count on the citizens of the, of, of the UK and the United States to be silent, to sit there and just go along with it. If we have what I do think we need to really do is we do need to, if things get, we need to have a real shutdown. We need to have a real strike of people. And that is something that needs to happen to be coordinated on. So that if if they're going to move forward and 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 really push Putin to and then Putin is you know he's not a good guy by any means, but pushing him to a corner where he feels this could become a hot war and then we have a there's no such thing as a limited nuclear war. There's only been one country that's ever used no. it and that's the United States. So there, this will be something that will be you would have right. to retaliate. And then once retaliation happened, the cat's out of the bag. When do you stop the retaliation? And the idea that that nuclear cloud, it will stay. I mean, the United States under under Eisenhower, all the Joint Chiefs of Staff approved a nuclear strike, a plan. And I could be wrong. I'm sorry. I, I, I could have been under Truman, but I believe it was under Eisenhower that approved a strike of 200 nuclear bombs to wipe out the... USSR. And it was approved by all of them. And it was Eisenhower. I believe it was Eisenhower turned it down. And these idiots, these psychopaths had no idea that after those 200 bombs were in Russia, within 36 hours, that nuclear cloud would be over the United States and the rest of Europe and everywhere. So yeah, these, so. Are psycho- these are psychotic well, look people. At that, uh, yeah, look at that. Exactly. Look at that weather balloon, uh, the Chinese uh, weather balloon and think of nuclear weapons, uh, which are 1,000 times more powerful than the atomic bomb that Oppenheimer uh, made and which was exploded over Hiroshima. Tell us, uh, finally, uh, Rob, what you're working on now. We've dragged you off the set. You're directing something (laughs) these days, yeah? I'm just finishing a film uh, for Paramount Plus called Amoris Amor. And we just we filmed it. It's a strike now, but I'm a director, and the directors have uh, are uh, have settled that part of the strike. I'm finishing that, and uh, and I'm working on on a book, and uh, that's um, the Conspiracy Theorists Handbook, Volume One. And that's what I'm working on. And I would just say, as far as the United States needs it, like I wish I'd I really like Bobby that one. <laughs> the uh, Bobby Kennedy um, wants to get talk about taking personal responsibility. What can you do? You can grow your own food. You can get healthy yourself. You can not have to be reliant on the medical industrial system and and getting people healthy. Because the thing about the Chinese, they don't even have to bomb us. All they have to do is wait us out. I mean, we have 59% of our sperm count is down. We have 65% of Americans are obese. We have, we're allergic to everything. They don't even have to drop bombs out of that. All they need to do is, is those balloons just drop peanuts and gluten that will wipe us out in 36 hours. So, uh, but I'm I'm also buoyant, and I, I'm I'm positive, and I, I do believe that if enough people raise their voice, 
we can stop this uh, this oncoming war and this 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 tide of war. And I, I think that um, I, I think hopefully that the world is sick of it and more people like yourselves were having a voice and, and being listened to. And I and I thank you for that. And you're one of my heroes. You have been a staunch anti-war and uh, and you're also a, a person who speaks the truth. And in spite of what it in spite of what that can cost you. And, 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 and you have been a guide for me. So I'm grateful to you, George. You are literally none a of star. This, I thank you kindly none, for your thank you, none, none for of this joining us. Yeah, last word. Yeah, thank, last word. Yeah, no, none of this, none of these, uh, none of these takes on any of these issues has helped my career at all, by the way. <laughs> I wish you the best. Let's do this again. <laughs> Absolutely. God bless. Thank you, George. Thank you very much, Rob Schneider. Should four-year-olds be taught about sex matters? 17,449 of you have voted. And it's overwhelmingly no, but an intriguing number of yeses. I do hope that you'll call very belatedly. I go to a break, but I'll be right back. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Our next guest, it's Tony Schaefer, ex Lieutenant Colonel, retired. Tony, thanks for joining us on the mother of all uh, talk shows. If I were to properly introduce you with all of your CV, it would take me the rest of the show. There's nothing that you haven't seen and nothing that you haven't done, some of which if you told me about, you'd have to kill me, so I won't go there. Uh, I just want to ask you, uh, this question right off the bat. Sure. Tucker Carlson said today that a hot war was going to happen in the next year between the United States and Russia. Now, having seen Oppenheimer, I'm pretty damned anxious about that. Do you share Tucker's view on it? So um, thank you for having me. It's good to be on your show. A lot of mutual friends wanted us to get together, so it's good we're here. And it's sad we have to talk about such a serious topic as our first issue. Um, the answer is it's very likely. I put it at the 80% likelihood for three reasons. First, you have uh, Vladimir Putin, who is not bluffing. He is doing what he believes is necessary to protect the Russian empire, the Russian republic. It is what it is. And George, uh, the West, England and the United States in particular, don't seem to be listening to him. He's been very clear about what he's trying to achieve. And instead of accepting his perspective, because that you have to deal with his perspective, his perception. I'm a Reagan uh, disciple. I know a lot of the Reagan folks 
And Reagan was masterful in managing Russian perceptions and understanding them. We have no one who can do that. And therefore, my second point is miscalculation. Uh, you have Tony Blinken, you have Victoria Nuland, you have Joe Biden, who I don't believe for any a minute uh, understands what's going on around him, which means he's basically allowed for these other folks to run the thing. And um, Jake Sullivan is not competent. Uh, one of the reasons you've seen such horrendous mistakes in the uh, the so-called offensive in Ukraine, which is by all accounts failed, I've said it publicly, it's, it's, it has not worked, it's not going to work, uh, is that the West, the United States leading NATO, continues to do things to only show weakness, to demonstrate weakness, and encourage Putin to think he can get away with things. So the the issue is more about what does Putin want to do because there's no leverage by uh, NATO. And NATO is a boys club at this point, George. You know, I have I went to Warwick University back in, uh, in 20, uh, 2016, lectured a little bit at their question time about what I saw coming out of Brexit. One of the things I said they should do is look at NATO to revitalize it. They've not revitalized anything in NATO over the past six years. They've made it weaker. It's a, and, and it's a, a woke organization that has no ability to conduct its primary mission, which is defending NATO. They can't do it. And I think Putin understands this. So the more weakness the Biden administration shows, the more weakness NATO demonstrates on a daily basis, the more Putin may think he can get away with things. And my, my third and last point is that um, the border issues with Poland, with Latvia, Lithuania, all those issues are something that Putin, again, is not going to let go of. Uh, the, the Russians have been invaded. Let me go through this real quick. The Russians have been invaded uh, by the Mongols in 2037, Ottoman Empire uh, 1570, Sweden in 1708. They didn't even get the meatballs out of it. Uh, French, The French in 1812, Napoleon, Japan in 1905, the U.S. intervention, United States and our allies, 1918, and of course, a guy named Adolf Hitler in 1941. So inherently, the Russians have a paranoia. It is what it is. You have to accept it. It's their perception. And because, uh, George, no one can understand their perspective or no one's willing to listen to them, yeah, I think it's very possible that the West is going to continue to be tone deaf. There's going to be a miscalculation and someone ends up uh, in a nuclear exchange, which is my my biggest concern at this point. Mine too. Uh, now, I was only a boy soldier. You were a very, very senior military officer. But we both know uh, the old military adage, never reinforce failure. Uh, or right. as my mother would put it, don't throw good money after bad. Uh, yeah, right. that's exactly what we're doing, isn't it? Every time uh, the Ukrainian so-called uh, counteroffensive fails, we send more weapons and indeed more money uh, into the mall. Uh, we've already, I think, established and we agree that uh, Joe Biden is a Manchurian candidate, as, as uh, Donald Trump calls him, can't possibly yeah. be in charge. No nope. military top brass would take an order from Joe Biden. You wouldn't send the old fella out for a loaf and expect him to come back with it and the right change. Uh, so well, he'd have a loaf, why but it would be his depends. But that's not having. <laughs> well, yeah, but why are we uh, continuing to reinforce failure, continuing to throw good money after bad? Two reasons. 
for us. I can't speak to the British. I know the British are very much committed to supporting Ukraine in ways even more, I think, than the Americans. But two reasons. First, uh, Speaker uh, Leader McCon McConnell from the Senate leaked it the other day. He was trying to defend the additional requests for money. Now, I'm mostly a, a, I'm a conservative, and yet he doesn't represent my values because he admitted to something that I know is going on. He said, George, that most of that $113 billion earmarked for Ukraine is really going to be spent here in the United States. It's going to go to Raytheon, Boeing. It's going to go to all these big defense uh, contractors. President Eisenhower warned us about this, and it's become true. Uh, the military-industrial congressional complex. So the reason that everybody's going along on both sides, Democrats, Republicans, is because everybody benefits. Everybody gets, uh, you know, bakshish out of this, and, and it's a lot of it. So uh, people are benefiting, and I, I, I don't believe it's all blood money because the people who are suffering from this spending is the Ukrainian people. They're caught in the middle. Uh, so that's one reason. Secondly, to your point, the Manchurian candidate, uh, Ukraine bought Joe, Joe Biden. There's no doubt that uh, most estimates put at $50 million the, the bribes that he received. Some of that's from Ukraine, not all of it. Uh, and, and so the more he fulfills his bribe, whatever, you know, they sold Joe Biden, Joe, Joe's in, uh, the more he uh, can give to Ukraine, the more he fulfills what he was bribed to do. And beyond that, he took money from China. The more we can give Ukraine out of our wartime stocks, the less potential there is that we'll have uh, any weapons available that are that are necessary for China. So it's a it's a witch's brew, George, of bad. It's it's the defense industry profiting greatly from making all these weapons, and it's the political aspects of the left, our left, uh, more than happy to sell uh, the American Republic and our and our. Uh, ethics and our uh, beliefs down down the, the road that they they just don't care so that's what i see happening that's why you see this overwhelming and unrelenting spending right now uh, from america on ukraine now let me take you back uh, there may be areas that you don't want to talk about but i have been myself uh, a party to all of these uh, conflicts uh, in the 1980s right. i argued yes, that the policy of uh um, my enemy's enemy is my friend, was precisely the policy that done uh, for Dr. Uh, Frankenstein, who discovered that he was making a monster. I argued that throughout the 80s. And indeed, uh, on the, on the uh, eve of the entry into Kabul by the so-called Mujahideen, uh, I warned Mrs. Thatcher uh, there in the parliament that uh, that uh, you have opened the gates to the barbarians. And right. a long dark night, I said, will now descend on the people of Afghanistan. And indeed, we punished the people of Afghanistan, not once, but twice. We punished them no by doubt. putting these uh, religious maniacs in power. And then we punished them for having these religious maniacs in power. And I wondered, with all your experience, vast experience in Afghanistan and indeed in other theaters, if you did not now agree with me, perhaps you always did, uh, that, that supporting your enemy because he's the enemy, uh, because he's the enemy of your enemy, is a profoundly bad idea. 
It is. And um, I, I did not always agree with your position. Uh, I've come to this based on experience. I read, uh, while I was deployed to Afghanistan, George, a book, a series of books called The Bear Went Over the Mountain. And it talked about the Russian, the Soviet occupation of Afghanistan and all their mistakes. And I was reading this like, oh, we'll never make these mistakes. Sure enough, we make all these mistakes. And not only that, to your point, the Mujahideen, the religious radicals, which which have become more and more powerful, uh, were, uh, again, something we should never support it. Another book which I helped enlighten me was Charlie Wilson's War, uh, a great book that outlines kind of uh, how we got to the beginning of 9-11. And uh, one of the grand ironies is my book, Operation Darkheart, my first book, talks about us going into the safe havens to get these warlords. Well, we created those warlords, George. Uh, we were going after Hekmadir, Hekmadir, who left the back door open for bin Laden to escape back in, in 2001 when we were after him at Tora Bora. And then the Haqqani Network. The Haqqani Network uh, is very effective, was very effective in conduct, conducting operations all throughout Afghanistan during our time there. And I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to keep our troops safe. And ultimately, after the first year, after we decided to occupy, we were fine when we basically removed the Taliban. A lot of folks were happy that they were gone. And to your point, the idea should be, let the Afghan people decide their future. I've never been for us giving them Karzai, giving them this constitution. Uh, you should allow uh, for these people, they're self-governed. Most Afghanis, George, you probably know this, most, most Afghanis uh, will never move more than 10 miles from the, the spot on earth they're born. And they can barely enumerate, and they're happy. They're happy, they, they don't want to be bothered with politics, but we inflicted upon them our political system and by trying to push out the religious extreme. And here we are, 20, 22 years later, and it's, it's back to where it was. We might as well have just spent a, a trillion dollars uh, on, I don't know, marshmallows because it would have had the same effect of all the spending, all the blood and treasure both of our countries uh, provided in Afghanistan. I, I served alongside the Kiwi, uh, the Australians, the British in combat. And uh, our, our, this is not a blemish on anyone who served. People serve based on their beliefs that they were doing the right thing. The problem is the policy. And, and I would argue most tragedies uh, from 9-11 to this all result in bad policy at the political level, not at the intelligence level. Although the intelligence level uh, has come into or under scrutiny uh, of late, uh, looming tower, I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, I have. Seems to chart a series of catastrophic uh, mistakes. Let's call them uh, yes. mistakes. There are some who think it's worse than that. Uh, um, the left hand not knowing or even uh, caring uh, what the right hand is uh, doing. Uh, so we, we have it all come, coming back to roost, if you like. We created the likes of bin Laden. We elevated him to heroic stature when he was fighting our enemy in the form of the Soviet Union. And then, just like Dr. Frankenstein, we discovered that a monster is a monster, because we can no longer control it. And there they came right. and they knocked down your uh, biggest buildings and they changed the face of your country and mine. 
its security architecture, its legal architecture, its freedoms, its democracy, were all disfigured uh, by 9-11, which was a yes. giant boomerang, as far as I can see. The, the effects of 9-11 have not resulted in positive outcomes. And, and one of the legacies that we're faced, two, two legacies, is the unending military spending, the AUMF, the Authorized Use of Military Force. George, I and others argued at the time this happened, we don't need special authorization. Just let us go do our jobs. Uh, we can do this without special authorities. We have the authorities, but they had to do this special thing. And I think it was a dodge for accountability. Now DOD can spend all sorts of money constantly, billions of dollars. We have the most expensive military ever, and yet I don't think it could fight. I don't think it could actually take on uh, the French if we had to take on the French, for example. It's not effective. So that's one uh, a legacy that remains. So the other thing is the Patriot Act. Uh, there's constant abuses here, and I don't, I can't speak for Britain. I, su I suspect that GCHQ has done similar things, where they've been able to uh, the NSA, National Security Agency, and other intelligence agencies to include, especially the FR FBI, the, 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 the uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation, has uh, uh, amazing authorities which do not require much in the way of review. They can go look at people's mail, they can intercept phone calls, uh, they can go two or three levels down someone's phone tree if they so choose. And I don't believe there's been any benefit to increase the protection of the American people by having this. Nothing has been prevented. Nothing's been deterred. It, essentially, it's been an expansion of the Leviathan of the state to do this. And a little note on the intelligence thing. There's people like me, George, we just want to figure out what's going on. What happens is, is once it gets past we operatives into that management level, that's where you see the mistakes made. Because often, the leaders at senior level, and I saw this with George Tenet. I've been in the room with George Tenet. I've been in the room with Mike Pompeo. I advised Mike. And um, people at that level are often trying to help facilitate the, um, the fulfillment of aspirations of political leaders. Tony Blair had this. With the, you know, People in, in the British intelligence community were saying, hey, these are bad ideas. Don't do them. I said there was bad ideas. We warned about things. But we were overridden. So often the intelligence community becomes an extension of the political class because if you can find someone who's malleable, like a Jim Clapper, uh, a, a John Brennan, those guys are bureaucrats first and self-licking ice cream cones who are only worried about their career. So the careerists who rise to the top are more than happy to bend intelligence or lie for purposes of their own career advancement that career advancement comes from being linked to the political class. The po political class has either uh, bad aspirations, bad desires, which uh, are not in the interest of their country, or worse, or they, they just don't understand and they will direct someone to do something. The, the Afghanistan debacle two years ago for us, that was all forecast and preventable, but George, Joe Biden or whoever directed it did it anyway, and you saw the catastrophic results of that. Yeah, and the uh, families of those lost uh, were recently the 13. Uh, justifiably right. very angry uh, in front of the Congress. You have no idea how damning was your statement uh, that the U.S. Army couldn't defeat France. Uh, is one of the reasons for that that, well, when I look, I mean, I think I saw it on one of your uh, publications in 
lipstick and high heels and the women are no different. Uh, the, the U.S. Army has become almost a parody. Uh, you couldn't, you know, at the time of MASH and so on, you couldn't depict that. If you had depicted in MASH that U.S. Army top brass would be men dressed as women wearing lipstick and high heels, you couldn't make that up. George, I, I, I you know, I got to, uh, I think the idea of Mark Milley wearing uh, uh, a skirt and high heels is very appealing. Uh, I think there's a certain audience that appreciates Mark showing his true colors. But beyond that, uh, no, it's it's like Monty Python. There's a great skit where uh, Monty Python is having uh, the marching about and they decide not to, not to march. That's kind of where we're at. It's like we have focused so much on skin color, who you sleep with, do you want to become a boy or a girl from being the other? Uh, these are all the affectations which have become the 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 foundation for today's our, our military. I don't know about yours, but I know ours. That's that's what the determining factor is. And so what what has happened when you become focused on performing to a standard established by woke leaders, woke politicians, that's all you focus on. The Army's job, the Army I came into, was to kill people and break things. That's it. That's what the Army's supposed to do. It's not supposed to be a social Petri dish, but that's what, what's what we've become. And so how this has happened, think about this. We, Your side, too. And I know a lot of your generals. I've worked with some of your generals. We have had no victories over the past 20 years, nothing. The Desert Storm was our last win. Uh, and that's because Norman Schwarzkopf was a, a general who understood how to, to be a general and lead. We've had nothing since then. But yet... We have more generals than ever. We have more promotions, more medals, but we're not winning. That's because they have established, within our system anyway, a, a system of measures of performance. So the, the performance standards are, did you did you support the LGBTQ agenda? Did you put high heels on and walk around with the troops? Those are the standards and the, 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 that are, are, are that you can perform against and get promoted and get medals. But when you look at, were you effective? Did Were you effective in achieving specific mission objectives? Did you take the hill? Did you protect Kabul? Did you stop the terrorists from blowing up uh, uh, these refugees? Nobody cares. There's no standard. Nobody got fired from Afghanistan. The only person who did get relieved is a, is a lieutenant colonel named Stu Schiller. Colonel Schiller, I actually uh, attended and testified at his court-martial. Here, I'm in North Carolina at Camp Lejeune. I testified on his behalf saying essentially he was a whistleblower. He was trying to say, hey, we had incompetent leadership. These things happened and it could have been prevented. And he's, he, George, he's the problem. He's the guy that gets fired for standing up and saying something's wrong. So that's the system we currently have in place. They worship mediocrity. Uh, if nothing else, Mark Milley is a mediocre officer who ro rose through the ranks because he was more politically astute than his peers. That's it. He's not a brilliant tactician. He talks to General Zaluzny, the, the leader of the, the Ukrainian effort, uh, according to sources, on a daily basis. And we all see how that war is going. Yes, quite. Uh, now, finally, uh, and I'm very grateful indeed for your time. I can't tell you how grateful. Uh, it's good uh, to be on with you. I appreciate the, it. Uh, the, the, the likelihood is, unless they put him in jail, unless he gets blown away, uh, Donald Trump will be the next president of the United States. Last time he ran on the platform of draining the swamp. 
but he didn't yeah. drain the swamp. In fact, he, he plucked some of the prime specimens from the swamp, John Bolton, for example, and placed them uh, right at his right hand around the table uh, with him. Would a second President Trump term be any different, do you think? So I've been I did an actual talk on this issue over the weekend down in Florida, and I talk about this all the time. And I get this question from my talks. Will, will he perform differently? The answer is he has to or else he's doomed. Uh, I, I, uh, I advised I was on the transition team. My job, George, was to, to be the go between between Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Joe Dunford and Mark Milley. And Mike Flynn, I was working the transition issues there because I I was working to advise the Pentagon at the time. And um, what I'd learned during that time is that Trump seemed to think of government as a business, like, hey, I acquired the government. It's my business now. And then he, I believe, I haven't talked to him about this, but I do believe Trump thought, oh, okay, I can delegate things down to people and they'll, they'll figure it out. And it's like a business. It wasn't like a business. And what he he mistakenly did not defend Mike Flynn. I think that was a huge mistake. Mike knew where all the berries, the, the bodies were buried. I think he would have seen the Russia collusion narrative coming. That's why they had to get him out. And um, he appointed people like Rance Priebus. Rance Priebus saw me in a White House one time, George, and it was like he saw Satan himself. I mean, he was he was just pissed that I was there because. I'm not establishment. I I don't want to become part of I don't want to be in their club. And I've never hidden that. And uh, the fact that I was there meeting to advise just ups, visibly upset him. And it was Rance Priebus's, John Bolton's, uh, um, General, um, what's his name? Um, McMaster. McMaster. Uh, all these folks came in to establish a, a path back. Now, uh, one other quick note on this. I actually, during this time, uh, wanted to do a full review. And, and after it was announced that, that Trump was spied on, George, I went to my folks. I said, look, we need to get into the FBI. I think the FBI is corrupt. I think they're using their foreign counterintelligence, counterintelligence program as a domestic tool to go after political enemies. So let's go look at what they're doing. I proposed that they have a, we have a peer review that we have Army intelligence, which Army does have parallel authorities within the United States, believe it or not, to do counter foreign counterintelligence. So I had selected without them knowing. They, the people on this list never knew. I said, let's have this team go in and do an independent case review of all the FBI stuff. So I first go to talk to Mike Pompeo. And Mike says, I'm fine with that. It's probably wise. He was director of CIA at the time. But you got to go talk to John Kelly. John Kelly, who was chief of staff, who could authorize it. And I and, and he said, and so I go to the Pentagon next and I talk to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Joe Dunford. I said, Joe, look, uh, I think there's something more going on here. We should have Army come in and do a review of FBI. He says, I, I, I will support that, but the president's got to direct it because we DOD just can't go look at FBI stuff in DOJ. So I went to I went to John Kelly, caught him in an event, and I I explained to to John Kelly, chief of staff of the White House, of, of, of the president. And I said, John, and I knew John. John runs in the Marine Corps, in, in the gray, Al Gray Mafia. I've advised them. I've been part of it for decades. And I said, look, John, uh, we need to have the Army come in and do a review of the FBI. I need, I need to talk to the president about getting authorization. You know what? 
Kelly told me, George, he looked me square in the eye. He said, Tony, I am never going to allow you to talk to the president because all you're going to do is inflame his instincts. So, <laughs> well, his instincts were the right uh, instincts. Bingo. That's for sure. Yes. And so that's my point. Trump made the mistake of surrounding himself with people who were trying to isolate him, and he was isolated with a few, very few exceptions. So I, he's got to have learned from that. And plus, he didn't appoint people at the operational level because in the end, his own Homeland Security uh, service was working against him to suppress his ability or his supporters' ability to speak out in his support during the 2020 election. Think about that. His own federal government was working against him. So, uh, and then the other thing, he never got control of spending. He never defunded the bureaucracy. You and I know, George, from your experience in parliament, my experience dealing with all sorts of folks here, if you defund an organization, you take the wind out of their sails. He would not do it. He would not defund actual organizations within the government that were working against him. So uh, if, if he, he has to have learned these lessons that we're talking about, because if, if he did not learn these lessons, the, the, he's going to end up, they're going to finally get him on something and put him in jail. Otherwise, he's got to get control of these things. He's got to stop this abuse. A lot of us have ideas on how to do it. Uh, and if, if he play, if he, and I do believe he's going to win, but yes, George, he's got to, he's got to uh, learn from these mistakes and take a completely different course when he comes in, if he really wants to, to drain the swamp, because he did not do it last time. Hope you're on the next transition team. Thank you very much, <laughs> we'll Lieutenant see. Colonel Tony Schaefer. Thank you very Thank much you, for joining us. Email from John. Thank you for bringing on Colonel Schaefer. Curious if he feels a Russian advance all the way to Kiev would uncover even more Biden, MIC, Ukraine corruption. Great show as always, George. Signed, John in New York City. Uh, well, I do think, I mean, uh, Colonel Schaefer made the point that Biden was fulfilling the terms of his bribe. But of course, once you've bribed someone, uh, you can blackmail them for the rest of time. And I believe that's what's going on now. It's not that Biden's fulfilling the terms of his bribe. That's long ago been banked. It is that Biden knows that they know that he and his family have committed multiple crimes of corruption that could put all of them behind bars for the rest of their lives. Uh, thanks uh, for those of you on my Patreon who are watching tonight. Here's some Patreon comments. Paul Cormacan says, sick, sick, carry on altogether. Thinking back to when I was a four-year-old, the thought of the harridan we had as a teacher showing us sex in books is utterly gross. It is 54 years later, and I think the world is being run by spacers. Very well put, Paul. Uh, Hill says, we know the pedophiles at all levels all collude to legitimize child abuse. We have the state, corporations, and media trying to normalize the sexualization of our children. Of course, that's true. Uh, the question is why? That's what I'm not feeling yet. Edgar Abd says the only question a four-year-old child might ask would be the usual, where do babies come from? Yeah, our four-year-old has asked that. We say from God, 
That's enough at this point in time, isn't it? Uh, James Lenahan says, should four-year-olds be taught about sex when they are just learning their ABCs? You have to be kidding. How about that ripe old age of eight? Where do we find such dingbats? So search me on Patreon, George Galloway, patreon.com forward slash George Galloway. The last call of the evening is from Prince in London on Gabon. Go ahead, Prince. Uh, hi, JJ. Uh, thank you once again for giving me the opportunity. I'm actually in Lincoln, not in London. Uh, um, I, okay. um, I, pardon? Uh, I misread I, it. Yes. It says Lincoln. Yeah. Yes, that, that's completely okay. Um, I think that um, what is happening now in uh, Gabon uh, is just uh, a combination of uh, different events altogether in Africa. The truth is the French can decide to live in the denial that their population is, uh, their popularity in Africa is continuously winning down. Um, something they don't want to accept. But the truth is the people have seen through the exploitation, they have seen through the marginalization, and they have seen through over the years the systematic, you know, exploitation of their resources, which um, has gone to marginalize the population. And so these issues of uh, coup that is happening clearly is something that we are yet to see more of them happening in most of the countries, including, you know, uh, other countries like Cameroon, Benin, and Togo, and all those things. It doesn't really matter how many times they try to reach out for those military cars. They will go in there insofar as the people continue to be despondent. And of course, um, the military also has a responsibility to make sure that this coup that is going, that is becoming so popular among the population, is sustained and that they do not make a mistake by uh, aligned with France after they have, you know, gotten the power out of the few greedy ones that we have in power at the moment. Because obviously, um, the popularity of the coup depends on the sentiments of the people. And we know very well that over the years, the French government has a huge reputation for sponsoring a lot of overt uh, coup in Africa, including counter and coup d'etat. So, of course, in as much as, you know, this coup is good for the people, the military also need to take a precaution not to go into those ungodly um, alliances with the France. Then they will enjoy the fruit of, you know, the purpose of these particular coups in the, you know, in the region. Thank you, John. Amen. Amen. Thank you uh, for uh, allowing us to feature an African voice at the end of a show in which Africa has loomed large. Uh, some coups are approved uh, by uh, Western countries, some entirely disapproved. Uh, one thing I think is very clear that the writing on the wall uh, about France and its venal and malign role in Africa is very large. The writing is unmistakable. France's time as, a, as an exploitative colonial power in Africa is rapidly coming to an end. Ali Bongo was given the gift for his 64th birthday in entirely fraudulent 64% of the vote in a rigged, indeed, 
fantastically, absurdly rigged a general election. He will never be back. The bongos will fall silent. The question is to make sure that a popular government emerges. Whether military or otherwise, a government that will act in the interests of the people, uh, that will use the resources that God gave them to make prosperous the people, both in the private and public sphere, and will act with wisdom vis-a-vis -vis its neighbors, first of all in West Africa and later, I pray, uh, in the continent of Africa as a whole. We will be uh, featuring much more on Africa unless I can persuade people to back me in a moat Africa, an additional show which will exclusively uh, deal with African matters. But I don't have the wherewithal yet to do that. Morpheus X says, a week has gone by and Gigi hasn't even mentioned about Japan releasing radioactive wastewater to the sea and will continue to do so for a few years with U.S. blessing. Say bye to all the sea life and food. Well, I've definitely said bye-bye to any uh, seafood from Japan, as have all of Japan's neighbors. And I merely ask you this. If China had had Fukushima and then released the radioactive water into the sea to poison everybody else around the world, I wonder whether world reaction would have been quite so quiescent. I'm sorry I didn't mention it, Morpheus X, but you could have phoned up the show and mentioned it yourself. I do have rather a lot on my plate. 19,430 people voted in the uh, poll. 98, 97, 98, 96% believe that four-year-olds should not be taught sexual matters. There's still that troubling 4% on the YouTube stream, which is a significant number of individual humans, but none of them had the balls to call the show and have it out with me. Maybe they'll do so. Uh, on Sunday, at the earlier time of 7 p.m., UK time for the mothership for the Sunday edition of the mother of all talk shows. I think it's been a pretty special show. We had a Hollywood legend and a major figure from the intelligence, military intelligence nexus uh, who was on the transition team of Donald Trump before he took office uh, in 2016, who advised Pat Mikey Pompeo, the would-be assassin of my friend Julian Assange, uh, when he was uh, Secretary uh, of State and 
when he was the head of the CIA. It's not every show like ours that gets guests of that caliber. The fact that we are now attracting them with regularity is because of you. You, the audience, uh, who have grown and grown and grown in numbers, such that it's a disappointing week when two million people do not watch all or part of the mother of all talk shows. But I can't rest on those laurels. Not until our audience is many millions for every show will I be able to say that my job is done. And I've got six children that I can hand the show on to and a wonderful smart wife will probably take the principal seat in the mother of all talk shows in the future. But we're not there yet. I'm not Joe Biden yet, and I certainly ain't Mitch McConnell. God help America with these people in charge. Thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, it's been marvelous for me. I hope it was for you. I've gone on eight minutes over the hour. Well, I have to pay for the whole hour. Why not? Thanks very much for being with me. Good night.